Villas Grace Church, building relationships that make followers of Jesus. Know, grow, go. To know Him, to grow in Him, to go with Him. It's good to be up here this morning as uh, we wrap up our little uh, group of standalones before we get into the book of John, which I'm very excited to do here soon. But we can't forget the last two Sundays, Pastor Matt preached his sermons, Righteous Freedom, uh, both parts one and two. That it's in the freedom of Christ and his righteousness that gives us the freedom as Christians to live our lives. We learn that we have earned death while Christ has earned us freedom for life. We are fully justified by faith in the work of Jesus. We are, while we may never be perfect here on earth, it's about our direction, not perfection. As Pastor Matt had mentioned in uh, Sunday school this morning, it's, about, it's, a, it's not about being perfect, but making sure that we are aiming, we're going in the direction of that perfection. This morning we'll wrap up uh, this little uh, three-part series, it could be, because I'm going to talk about what that saving faith looks like Uh, could look like in the life of a Christian. But before I do, let's pray. Dear Father in heaven, Lord, we just are here this morning to worship you because you alone are worthy. Lord, we just want to hear from you this morning. We want to hear your truth. No opinions, no uh, dislikes and likes of man, Lord, just your truth this morning is what we want to be focused on. So let that be it in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Air traffic controller Robert Morgan, a certified flight instructor, was on a break when the call came in from a plane headed out from the Bahamas. I rushed over there and I walked in the room and the room was really busy. And they're like, hey, this pilot's incapacitated. The passengers are now flying the plane. They have no flying experience, Morgan told CNN. I said, oh boy. Morgan learned that the passenger on the line had never flown a plane, but had kind of been around aviation and had seen other pilots fly. He was really calm, Morgan said. He said, I don't know how to fly. I don't even know how to stop this thing if I had actually landed on the runway. Morgan, the instructor, had never flown this uh, model Cessna before, so he pulled up a picture of the instrument panel's layout, much like you kind of see on the screen here, and started to guide his new student step by step. Try to hold the wings level and see if you could start descending for me. Push forward on the controls and descend at a very slow rate. The air traffic controller can be heard telling the fledgling pilot in live ATC radio. Try to follow the coast either north or southbound. We're trying to locate you. Morgan made the key decision to guide the aircraft to the area's biggest airport helping the passenger-turned-pilot to position his aircraft eight miles out from Palm Beach International, just so he could have a really, really big target to aim at, Morgan said. Together, they got the Cessna touchdown on the runway, footage obtained by CNN affiliate, something that takes about 20 hours to learn in typical flight instructions. The landing rated 10 out of 10 in Morgan's view. So could you imagine this? You're flying back from the Bahamas, which sounds nice, and your pilot, you're in a little Cessna, there's only one pilot, and he's out, he's gone. It's now up to you guys. Praise God he was able to get on the radio and get some help. 
And it just happened to be a flight instructor that's used to training student pilots. Someone who was able to guide him step by step until the plane safely made it on the ground. See, I believe this is a a perfect picture of faith and what true saving faith looks like in the life of a Christian. But let's back up for a second. Biblically, we know faith is a gift from God. When we're talking about faith, it's, it's important to understand these things. The Holy Spirit must reveal truth to us as a holy, righteous God to sinful creatures about who God is and what he wants from us. So it's impossible to have faith without God first revealing it to us. Otherwise, we're unable to know it. This morning, I want to talk about what that saving faith could look like in the life of a Christian. This is for a few reasons. Number one, if you're here this morning and you might realize that you don't have true saving faith, that would be a great thing to realize, amen? Or maybe you have true saving faith, but you're not seeing the fruit of that in your life. It's a, maybe you could be encouraged to look into that deeper. Or maybe this morning you're sitting here and you do have true saving faith. And you're seeing the fruit of that, and hopefully you are encouraged to press on. I also like to mention when, it, it talk, when we're talking about faith, you can have faith in anything. So some people, you know, say, I have very strong faith. Well, you could have very strong faith in Islam or Judaism or atheism or mysticism. It doesn't matter. Just pick an ism. Many people, unfortunately, have a very strong faith in a brand of Christianity that's not very biblical. It's a brand of Christianity that's hijacked by self-help gurus that are basically in it for themselves. So it's not about that you have faith or how strong your faith is, but about who your faith is in. There's only one saving faith. And that saving faith is found in the person and the work of Jesus Christ. And that faith is a gift. It's not just a gift for eternal life, like we've been talking about in Sunday school. It's a gift that truly allows you to know him and grow in him so that you understand what your job here on earth is in his kingdom. So faith is not just a belief, but it's a belief that causes action. James talks about this. He says, oh, you believe that there's one God? So do the demons. Good job. Okay, you go around telling everybody that you have faith? Well, I'm going to show you my faith by my works. I'm paraphrasing James. And what James is not saying is that he earned his salvation by his works because that would be impossible. What he's saying is that his works pour out from his faith because that is what true saving faith looks like, which happens to be the title of the sermon this morning. Saving faith. If you want to turn in your Bibles, and we'll be in Romans chapter 12, 1 through 8. As I said, people say they have faith, but what is your faith in? Because if it's not in the person and the work of Christ, it is not saving faith. Also, if there's no proof or fruit in your life as a Christian that that saving faith exists, that should be a huge red flag for that individual. Let's get into our text this morning. You can follow along on the border in your Bibles. Romans 12, 1 through 8. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual spiritual worship. 
Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of themselves more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. If we were to take these eight verses and we were to con condense them into one main idea this morning, we would get this. Saving faith is shown when we believe what God says and then do it. It's pretty simple this morning. We're not trying to complicate things. Saving faith that you obtain is shown when we simply believe what God tells us and then we do it. This could only be done, however, through our relationship with God, which we'll see here. Let's break these verses down to see why this statement is true. Going back to our first two verses. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good, acceptable, and perfect. So here we see Paul's, he's writing to Christians. He's writing to people that claim to be believers. And you kind of get the sense here that maybe they were believers that were not serving in the church. Maybe they were kind of chasing after the world. So Paul's addressing something here. He starts out with therefore. And of course, when we see a therefore, we have to find out what it's there for. Because obviously he made a point right before this. Well, the preceding chapters, he, he, he was talking about how it's by God's grace that we are saved. But it's by the Holy Spirit revealing truth to us that we're saved. And it's by God's power that we're made new creations. This is all done by God and to the glory of God. So therefore, Paul says, because of those things, present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. We give ourselves to God to do whatever he asks because of who he is, and because of what he has done for us. Basically, Paul is starting out saying, hey, listen, you know this God who you know all the stuff he's done for you, and you know how awesome and great he is? Well, give yourself to him. This is how you worship a God that does those things for you. And next, if you do this, you will not worship and conform to this world. Rather, you will worship God properly and you'll allow him to transform your mind so that you're not chasing after the world, but you're pursuing him. You will begin to know his will for your life and you'll be able to start acting accordingly. 
You will be able to discern, God, what is your good and perfect and acceptable will for my life? That is a pretty big thing in a Christian's life, amen? That brings us to our first point. Saving faith causes us to give our lives to him and be transformed. That's one way, or the first way we're going to look at this morning, that you could tell that you do indeed have saving faith in your life. You give yourself to God so that he can transform you. We believe the truth of God and we have no choice but to give our lives to him to do whatever he wants with them. And it reminds us, of course, of our main idea this morning, which is saving faith is shown when we believe what God says and then we do it. Pretty simple. Much like that airplane passenger. He had complete faith in who that instructor was on the radio. He didn't waste time arguing with the guy. Do you really know how to fly? Do you really want me to grab the stick and do it this way? Do you really want me to do this? No. He knew how the urgency of listening to this guy. He followed fully without question and believed every word out of that man's mouth and then quickly put it into action. This literally caused him to save not only his life, but the other lives on that plane that day. His faith in his instructor allowed him to do things he never thought he was capable of before. That should be the picture of every Christian who says, I believe in God and I believe the Bible is true. Amen? This will cause us to serve God and be able to do things that we never thought we could. This is all according to the grace of God. You see, again, by, it's by his grace that he's gifted us eternal life, but also the ability to know and serve him now. Let's look at our next three verses, three, four, and five. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, do not think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment. Each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members of one another. Here Paul begins to set up the idea, listen, all of us that know him and who have given ourselves to him, there's a good reason for this. So that we can all come together and serve him. See, God has a job for each and every one of us to do, and they're all completely different jobs. These jobs are given by grace, and they're all different according to the faith that God has given us. Listen, he bought you with his blood. He revealed truth to you so that you may know him. So guess what? He gets to pick how you serve him. My wife will tell you never, not once in my life, did I ever tell her that I wanted to be a pastor. But this is, this is what God has asked me to do. Therefore, I'm here this morning doing it. How do we know it's true? How do we know that everybody has an assignment? Well, look at verse 4. Because we're one body in Christ. Just like a body, we have all different functions. We're all extremely important to each other and extremely important to the success of this church, which is to spread the gospel. Think about that. You can live without an arm or two, but how much more difficult is that going to make your life? Sure, I'm, I'm, I'm sure you, you can live well, but it's going to be a lot more difficult. There's a lot of churches these days that are missing limbs. 
And how much harder is it for them to spread the gospel? Missing key components to who they are or who God is building them to be. Here at Villa's Grace, we have some missing, we have some missing parts. But that's okay because we're encouraged because we see God slowly sending them and adding them accordingly. One of our seven core values that we're going uh, through in our life group is we have no spare parts. We don't want spare parts. We don't want spare parts laying around here. Ask yourselves, brothers and sisters, is it possible that you might be a missing body part? Is it possible that you're sitting here this morning or listening and you are a missing body part somewhere? Maybe it's here. God has gifted you and you're ready to go, but you're not allowing him to join you in to the body. When we say the body of Christ, what exactly are we talking about? We're talking about the local church. It's all the little C's, the local churches that make up the universal church, the the big C. If the little C's aren't healthy, then the big C is unhealthy. It's sad that not everybody understands this. They feel like church is just somewhere where I can go once a week and I could get fed and I could get recharged. Which, it is true, we, we should be fed and we should be recharged by God's word, but that should also be an everyday thing. Because I don't know about you guys, but I work in this world every day and I need the word of God before I leave my house every morning. Amen. However, God did not save you and gift you so you can remain on a shelf. I ask you to pray this morning where God may have you serve him and act accordingly because, as Paul says, this is your spiritual worship. There's different kinds of gifts as we look at our final three verses. Having gifts that, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. You can see there's many ways that you can function as, Paul, as part of the body. And it's not an exhaustive list. There's many things that you could do. But there in verse 6, Paul says, let us use them. It kind of sounds like a command to me. We have all been gifted these gifts, so Paul says, let us use them. Look at all the the gifts that he lists here. We need people uh, who prophesy, who who are preachers. And and let me just spend a second on that. We're not proclaiming any new word. Okay? If, if, If I'm a preacher, if I'm prophesying these days, I'm simply revealing the truth found in God's word that is already written for us. we got to... We've got to get this stuff down first before we hear anything new, amen? But we're not going to be very effective unless we have people serving and teaching in ministries, as it says there in verse 7. We need people stepping up and, and serving and teaching, or our preaching's not going to be effective. And it's not, those aren't going to be very effective if we don't have people exhorting one another. People that have the gift of exhortation, that means you're helping your brother or sister along and encouraging them, as we talked about in Sunday school today, not not demeaning them because they may have sin in their life, but encouraging them 
to live righteous and helping them walk through that, exhorting them. And of course, we need people that contribute and give money. We don't talk a lot about money here. Uh, uh, Some people have uh, noticed that and have mentioned that to us. You guys don't really talk a lot about giving. Well, fortunately, we're blessed and we have some really good givers. So we don't have to, but they're extremely important because things cost money. I'm not even going to tell you about our insurance that we just had to uh, up and go over. That's a whole different conversation. Things cost money. Ministry costs money. We must have ministry leaders who lead with zeal. People that take ownership of ministries and, and take them as their very own because God has called them to do that. People that are going around um, doing acts of mercy, helping people, coming alongside people. Maybe it's bringing meals or maybe it's just helping someone through a hard time. We need that encouragement. We need those people because this is how the body of Christ functions. But it's sad that so many churches go without. It brings us to our second point this morning. Saving faith joins us to the body so that we may function according to our gifts. It's another way you can see that if, whether or not you have saving faith in your life, you're going to be joined to a local church somewhere. It's amazing to me how many Christians go around telling everybody how Christian they are, but they treat the local church like it's a restaurant or a country club. They kind of just come in and enjoy the amenities and then leave. That's not biblical. Now, I'm not saying that that means that those individuals are not saved, but that should be a huge red flag, folks. Sunday morning is for worship, and it is very important. But I'll tell you, every person, and we have many, that does anything here on a Sunday morning or, or you know, serves in any kind of way throughout the week, that is truly worshiping God. That is when you are truly worshiping God, giving yourself as, a, as an offering, as a living sacrifice. In closing, as I call Joe up, I want us to think about that. And also, as Joe's coming up, to serve the Lord with his talent. Amen? Amen. And we get to listen to Joe as we might be sipping on a coffee that Eddie made this morning. Right? Or... As you're reading the slides that that are changed, it's usually Ryan back there, Kevin's brother. But today, Kevin's doing that for us, serving back there. Or the fact that after most of us have gone, and a lot of us wouldn't even know this, we have Linda, who goes around and collects all the garbage and cleans up after us slobs. Or all the ladies that watch over and teach our children on Sunday. Or Mike and Zara, who not only lead worship, but teach our youth on Sundays. Or Leighton, who gets out of bed every, early every Sunday morning to come and practice drums so he could play for us and play for our church. You know, we have three middle-slash-high schoolers that are in major roles here on Sunday morning, as Reese also helps with the children. Or Cody, that collects the offering of both churches. And has to organize that mess. Thank you for that. Or his wife, Hennessy, that checks in the children, helps plan our events, and helps run the women's ministry with hope. Or Kathy, who's usually at the door greeting and handing out bulletins. She's not here this morning, but you usually see her. 
or Nomi, who that's helped organizing our church, whip us into shape as our church secretary, or Pastor Steve, who's a volunteer pastor here now, and not only is a volunteer, he's on our elder board, he helps lead a life group, and helps lead a Sunday morning Bible fellowship. His wife, Hallie, who not only helps run our uh, prayer ministry, but I think she's back with the children right now. Uh, Bill, who was not saved too long ago, who's uh, our resident ninja. He doesn't want us to know he's our, uh, our security. But he's starting a seminary education, has joined our elder board to help lead this church. And if I've missed you, which I'm sure I've missed somebody, every single person, again, that does anything here, that give your time, that give your resources to, to anything that we have to do here this morning or throughout the week, thank you so much. You see, my point is it's, it's easy for the leadership of a small church to somehow get frustrated and you know, kind of look at numbers sometimes and are we doing the right things that God is asking us to do. But as I wrote some of these down this week, as I thought of them, I just want to tell you how encouraging it is to see what God is doing in the lives of the people here at Villa's Grace. And I could tell you wholeheartedly that I could speak for leadership and tell you that encourages us like you could not ever believe. So as we close, be encouraged to either join in and continue to serve the Lord with zeal. As we remember our first point this morning, saving faith causes us to give our lives to him and be transformed. Guys, we're not much useful to the Lord unless we're giving ourselves to him so he's able to transform us. Just like that airplane passenger turned pilot, put your faith in the hands of the Lord, your faith and your life. Don't work against the instructor. Just believe whatever he says and then do it. What is God speaking to you this morning? What is God asking you to do? Maybe it's something to, he doesn't want you to do anymore. Maybe it's something he wants you to do. Maybe it's something to step out of your comfort zone. Whatever it is, believe it and do it. Because if you do, we see the next thing. Saving faith joins us to the body so we may function according to our gifts. God has not only saved us for eternity, but also saved us so we can help carry out his work here on earth. You are called to serve in the body of Christ somewhere. This could be done outside the church, of course. You're not confined to these four walls. But I'll tell you what, if you're not plugged in some way, somehow, to a local church, you are, might be allowing that body to go limbless. As we remember our main idea this morning, saving faith is shown when we believe what God says, and we, then we do it. Let's pray. Dear Father, praise you for saving us and changing us. Lord, you're not going to save us and just leave us the same person we used to be. Lord, we are new creations in you. Thank you that we can all be part of spreading the gospel in some way, shape, or form. Help us to continue to be transformed and serve you every single day. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. 
For more information, look us up on our website, www.villasgrace.com, or drop us a line via email, connect at villasgrace.com.